0: Folks, welcome back to Better. There's a few people in my life that I talk about, quote unquote, medicine. I just did air quotes. You missed them. And medicine has many meanings in my life. It can be music. uh, It can be exercise. It can definitely be food. It can be learning. Learning is a big form of medicine for me and growth. And the gentleman that I brought here with you today, my man, Hawaii Mike Salmon,
1: is medicine for me on all levels. What does success look like for me now? I think uh, living life with an open heart is, is success to me. Receiving and accepting everything that comes along with that. Releasing judgment, not just of self, but of others. And what I'm learning is my energy feeds other people's energy, right? So if my energy isn't in a good place, then that's what other people are gonna get. When my energy is there, then it's like, everything flows, everything works.
0: Yeah. Cooked my birthday a couple years ago, hosted me for my birthday with a bunch of friends. And he's an inspiration as a chef, as a cannabis gastronomist. I love that title. As a mental health advocate, an entrepreneur of the highest accord, and also comes from hip hop music. And when I say comes from, I mean, shaped a lot of the ways that we ingested hip hop music through his work with The Source, through his work with individual artists, day-to-day manager for groups like M.O.P., and has lived a life that a lot of us aspire to which is of truth and freedom and so mike i'm so excited to have you here today brother thank you for joining us thank you for having me i introduce you that way how do you introduce yourself these days
1: um man uh, just hawaii mike or hawaii um I, it's so many different titles that I think I'm kind of releasing them. For me, uh, it's just love. Like, I just want to live through love and just work through the open heart and, and just grow through just interactions, you know? Um, that's it. Like, it, it's the titles, even though this past week I did embrace the title of chef finally. Yes. Um, through my meal, uh, the eleven eleven uh, celebration of oneness. Um, so, I guess I do take that title of chef now and, and hold that with, with pride. I love that. And that's something we can talk about.
0: And I've talked about on this show multiple times with people who are in the culinary field who have felt that they did not train for that title, so therefore did not deserve of that title, but were given that title by many other people. And that title simply means chief of the kitchen. Very proud of you. And having eaten your food many times, it is Yes, Chef.
1: Yes, Chef. Appreciate that. Yes. Right back at you. Yes, yes, um, sir. And that was a big practice in surrender, right? You know, Because it was resistance on the other side of that and and that was you know a big thing is how people see you as well right and and acknowledging that so that was a huge win i think for myself as well as my community and the people that are around me absolutely i felt stagnant and i would say to people i feel stagnant right now i don't feel creative i don't feel this but it was probably me holding my arms up being defensive to all and resistant to these things that was making me feel stagnant right definitely you know, I want to just
0: share a quote of yours,
1: which is using the universal
0: language of food. That's it. Like, I'm not going to go the whole sentence. The universal language of food. Can you
1: unpack that for us in the rest of this piece? 100%. I mean, I got to the universal language of food through unity. I feel like there's so much divisiveness, not just in our country and the world. I mean, we're in two different countries right now, right? And I think we're taught prejudices from such a young age that are expounded upon as, as we get older. And instead of looking at what makes us different and what sets us apart, it's like, what brings us together? And food, family dinner to me, that idea of family dinner and being with the people you love, you care about, you look up to, and you like to be around. That's what I always kind of wanted to recreate with our supper clubs and food. I mean, everybody eats. That's why it's a universal language. I don't know anybody who doesn't eat. So we all know that language. And then diving a little bit deeper into that, that universal language is comfort foods, right? Foods from the soul. And that went really well with my intentions, right? Because my intentions, again, are to bring people together. And if food is from the soul and we're connecting souls, and I want people to vibrate as one when you're at my table. Because as soon as you sit at my table, you're family. Right. So it's kind of using that universal language. And even through the foods that are common, right, the foods that bring us together in cultures, everybody has something like a fried chicken. Right. Everybody has something like a chicken noodle soup or we take a dough with a filling from a pierogi, a potstick or an empanada, a lumpia, a ravioli, like you go down the line. Everybody has that. So using these very kind of um, commonalities that bring people together and make people feel Like, oh, I'm seen. Also, I feel like a part of this. This isn't something I've never seen before. This is something I can relate to. But then buying seasonal, shopping sustainable and local, right? Mm -hmm. That becomes the education. So, you are able to infuse literally this education of not only the food, but also now plant medicine. And that to me leaves people leaving our tables feeling
0: empowered. 100%.
1: That's what that universal language does for me. It's like, hey, where is the unity in our community? Because truly, unity to me is our capital. Yes, sir.
0: This is what happens when Mike and I collide. So to give you an understanding, Mike and I were supposed to cross over at a very special gathering called Playlist at Jazzy Jeff's house, which uh, you may have heard me talk about before. We've had some guests from Playlist on the show before which is essentially a gathering to elevate artists and to create a deeper sense of community amongst the music community that focuses on hip-hop, soul, funk, R&B, and all generations crossing over. I arrived the day after Mike had done a dinner. So I was coming in from another event, got to Jeff's house. Everybody was in the most exceptional mood. They're all relaxed. They're all hanging out. And they're like, oh, you missed this dinner. Now, I had been told Hawaii Mike's name at least a dozen times by mutual friends prior and vice versa. And we hadn't got a chance to connect. So I'm seeing the aftermath of one of his dinners. Essentially, I am now set up for the next three days of this thing from the aftermath of his, one of his dinners. And then about a month later, we connected EatsCon. And it's daps, it's pounds, and he hands me this coveted hot chicken sandwich that everybody's lining up for. Hundreds of people are lining up for the sandwich. He's like, yo, I got you a bite. And I have a bite of this hot chicken sandwich. And I have to tell you that my heat index is not as big as most folks as an older man. And I had to host a panel a couple hours later (laughs) on the same stage as Mike was hosting. (laughs) And I went to go do my hosting duties, and my eyes were sweating. Uh, you know, I haven't felt my eyes sweat before that was new, but that was our first introduction, and we've been bonded uh, ever, ever, ever since uh, because we have a very similar view on what food does for people, what community does for people, and also about inclusiveness. And I think you know, inclusivity—we practice radical inclusion and radical hospitality here on the downtown east side, and in all the spaces I've ever built. And Mike and I would start talking about the things we do, and he would be telling me my ethos. But not because he knew my ethos, because it was his. Yeah. And so I've held this interview for a very long time um, because I wanted it to sit at the right moment. This is definitely it. And on the Chef for Hire website, there's a quote and it says, inclusion is a hell of a drug uh, from Nas. Mm-hmm. And man, talk about <clears throat> inclusion and how you see it and like how it impacts the work.
1: I mean, like I was saying before, I think that uh, we've just been taught to to look at all our differences and, and be separate and, and you know, point us all out. And I think, I think everything starts with intention, right? And I think that's really the fuel. And I think that's where a lot of you and I are aligned is in our intentions, right? And I think that's where we miss a lot of other people is in their intentions. We've been taught so much about making money and, and generational wealth, and we need all of these things, but generational wealth and wealth in itself isn't inclusive, Mm -hmm. right? It's very much like hierarchy and, 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 to get there, it's a lot of violence. Right. And, and so it's like, how can we live more prosperous? How can we live more in flow? How can we live to have our means and the things that we need in order to share and grow together? And that to me is inclusion. Right. And it's getting to that part. And again, it's what are the things that we can look at where are the places we can work, where are the, um, the tools and the strategies that we have that bring people together, right? The focus on unity. Right. And that's really, to me, what it's about is, is the unity. And so inclusion is, you know, again, a lot of people don't have access to food right now. A lot of people don't have access or an understanding of what good food is or what they should be putting in their bodies. A lot of people don't even have knowledge of self. Right. And that's one thing I try to focus on in that inclusive part is it's not just about being accepted by others. It's accepting self. Right. Mm-hmm. And then once you accept self and you're even inclusive with self, then it's like, all right, cool. Now I can live outwardly more and, and and give and be more inclusive in what I do and how I participate and with whom I participate. So being inclusive to me is also sharing just who you are, right? Sharing everything that you are, what moves you, what drives you, what do, how do you try to be better every day? You know what I mean? And it's like, by showing those things, it's like, all right, cool. Well, Now I don't feel excluded because you look like me. I relate to you. You speak like me. You sound. Now it's, oh, wow. But you're doing all of these things. Mm -hmm. Now I feel included. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, if I'm looking at something like wellness, I feel excluded from wellness. Right. I feel like wellness is a business now. Wellness is like, oh, yeah, there's wellness shops here. You can buy your wellness now. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And it's like, yes, I want people to be healthy. And there's a lot of those things are good. But the idea of buying your wellness is similar to generational wealth to me. Right. right? It, it's not prosperous to me. It's not inclusive of everybody in communal. It's, hey, here, support my ideals of wellness. No, these are my practices. If they work for you, awesome. But if they don't, hopefully you understand it's the practice and the repetition and you find your rhythm.
0: Yes. Right. We had the brother Rick Doblin on the show And Rick and I were talking about the legalization specifically of psychedelics, right? Yeah. You know, Rick's been the tip of the spear for four decades on this. And I said, here's my concern. And my concern is the same as it always has been, is Mm -hmm. the popularization of yoga, of all these practices is not inclusive for the people who genuinely need the healing the most, who have suffered generational trauma, et cetera. This is not where the medicine should be going, is actually going to people who've enjoyed the most privilege. Yep. And it's really about how much money you've got in your pocket. So why I love the way that you work and the way that you share your medicine, whether it be on IG Live and follow Mike on Instagram, Real Talk, follow Mike and and get into some of the sessions, the way that you've created inclusive journeys, and you've been the tip of that spear, right? Whether it be with cannabis, whether it be with LSD microdosing, whether it be with psilocybin journeys, those are the things where you uncover medicine, you're like, this is supposed to be for everybody, This is supposed to be for all of our healing, regardless of where you come from, your station, regardless of your wealth. And that sets a standard. And why it sets a standard, let me add one more part before I I pose the next question is, as somebody who's been a cultural cool leader, let's just say that you have for over 30 years at this point, you had the opportunity to continue just to hang out with like rappers and influencers and brands, because that's been your whole world, right? And there's great people in there that you and I both share. But instead, you were like, you people and also... Anybody else and Mm -hmm. everybody else Mm -hmm. and by opening those floodgates up you truly create community and that's that's really important So is there a fork in your road where that that decision happens? I don't necessarily know if
1: it's a fork in the road I think it's embracing the idea of what culture is right and culture is how we live our lives, right? How we carry and present ourselves becomes the culture And I come from many different cultures, right? I was, you know, my mom was very much into entheogens and plant medicines. um, So I was exposed to that at a very young age. Music, both of my parents are musicians. So, you know, hearing Brazilian music, live bands, instrumentation and everything as a child, that was huge. Then leading into dancing and capoeira and everything else. And then hip hop comes along and it's sampling. And we're sampling all these different styles and cultures and sounds and everything from everywhere. And fast forward to now, all of those things that I was learned and taught and given along the way are still my way of life and culture. But hip hop happens to be a huge dominant part of that. And I believe hip hop now is the most authentic expression of the modern human experience and probably the greatest common denominator culturally. Right. What happens, though, I think when we start to go on these journeys of working on self, we kind of switch modes and start to look different and and wear different clothes and speak differently and leave, quote unquote, these things behind. Those are our past, but that's still who makes us who we are. Because there's still people that are in those spaces that we've traveled through that may need representation or some relatable voice that they can follow, that, that can show them where to go. And that's what I felt it is, is like, how can I just be me? But encompass it all, right? And share through this lens and share still being Hawaii Mike, still being hip hop, because that's what people relate to. But also knowledge itself is the fifth element of hip hop. Yes, sir. Right? And that's that's what we've forgotten. We learned. So I wanted to bring it back to that. And how can I do that? By being my best self.
0: Well, this is exactly what the show is literally made for.
1: (laughs) It is the name of the show. The
0: whole precipice of what we do here is share tools and get into story that helps people see themselves evolving and becoming their more authentic self. And there's a great another great quote, and this is back right around the time we met, which is, I'm not a rapper, but everything that I do, from clothing to my speech, my vernacular to where I live, how I move and what I'm influenced by is the hip-hop culture. So I just think differently. We sample, we take things from different things, and we create our own. Uh, We know we bring these conversations into places that they don't normally exist. And that's the whole point is you know, often in these circles, we preach to the converted. We get very excited because we're all hanging out together and talking about healing, but we already have the medicine. And so these conversations are important. Mike, we have to dig into so much more of what happens next for you. Right. So, whenever I see you, we could be at a brownstone in Brooklyn somewhere doing a dinner. It could be on a fairground, a, you know, a giant food festival. And I'm always like, what's next? And there's always so many answers. So, in this point, like you're an incredible father and a family man as well. We've left that part out so far. You know, how do all of these different realms interact and how are you guided into the next place? What do you got on your slate for this year?
1: Man, so speaking of kids, uh, I mean, my my youngest is twenty, um, my oldest will be thirty, and then in July I'll be fifty. So with me and my kids, we'll equal a hundred. Wow! Right. So as I lead up to my fiftieth, it's it's really the process of just surrender. That's my goal, right? We're on iHeart for a reason, right? It's opening our hearts. It's being open. Um, I'm on speaking to you on better because I'm trying to be better at that, right? Better f- with the quote I just got. The, the longest road is from your head to your heart, right? And I'm on that path right now is, is getting out of the logic and the judgment and getting to the vision of the heart and the feel. Right. And then allowing my intuition and my gut to kind of take me there. So all that to say, I think food for sure is going to play a huge part in what I do because it's the gathering. It's that language. Right. Is that killing us? (laughs) No, your cat's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's really, again, just that and seeing what the universe like I've learned that food is my alchemy. Right, that, that ability to bring people together through this universal language. And then plant medicines, right? So cannabis, I've been in New York building and waiting for this time. We're finally legal, we're waiting on regulations and we're making all of that happen. So I'm gonna try to play that game and participate and be one of the first brands. So Sheffer Higher Hire will be one of the first brands on shows um, in New York state. So that is a big goal. something I've been working on for a bunch of years. Travel, destination events. Um, I'm going to do a bunch of them. I just came back from Costa Rica. We did six nights down there, two supper clubs. I think more of that will start to happen. And opening up knowledge of self, the KOS Surf Club, right? I call it the knowledge of self surf club because thoughts, uh, interactions, our daily lives, everything's like waves, right? And I think if we approach things the way we approach surfing, right? We take our time, we look at the break, while we're looking at the break, we're stretching, we're finding the channels and where to paddle out, when the sets are coming in, how to best position ourselves when we get out there. But with our thoughts, we just get slammed. We're just in the break, you know, constantly, and we're trying to just, you know, breathe. And it's. I think if we approach it in those kinds of ways, we can ride these waves of life in a much better way. So again, it's opening up and just, what does this universe have to offer? I've been on this gene keys thing also and we've heard of the gene keys before. But it's right, so I Ching, Human Design, and now the Gene Keys, and it has just been magical for me seeing this whole matrix map of my life, all the potentials that we have and what we can, you know, really be from our lowest, right, to our highest. And and that's been the heart openers for me, and that's been what's really been helping me to just open. So I'm excited for what 2023 and beyond brings. I love that.
0: And I think I will interrupt at this point. You might want to pull the cat because it's, it's it's okay, I think, for a part, but it's going wild. It's so excited. It's so fucking excited that we're here.
1: Yeah. Yo, she's like, she's really on it. Like, I think yeah. she wants to be a part of the interview. She does. She's like, I, I can feel this energy. I'm here. For right. This. I'm with this. <laughs> I want to live free. Right.
0: So it's interesting that you say the distance between the head and the heart. And I've heard so many different speakers talk about this, right? Because it's a lifelong journey to try and connect the two because the reptilian brain tries to keep us and the ego tries to keep us in a very specific place. And, you know, I, I hear so many folks who start on the journey being like, I've, I'm killing my ego. And I'm like, please don't. It keeps you out of traffic. Like it's it's really important for it to be around and it's incredibly, incredibly helpful for all of us. But to connect the two of them is is physically 18 inches. Right? So right. If, you, you, if you were to put your, your hands in an L sign and you put them back to back, it's about that distance,
1: mm-hmm. but a
0: lifelong journey that most people never get to complete in putting okay. those two things together because all of the ways to do so are counterintuitive mm-hmm. into the way that society has been built. Right? So if we're going to continue to follow the capitalist structures, we cannot connect those two things because then we become dangerous to them. And I say that very much in a fist in the air, burn it down way because we have detached so hard. And so why you and I and many other folks are so drawn to community and true community, right, into rural spaces. You were just in Costa Rica. I've spent so much time in other areas where folks are making food for each other for 75% of their existence, whether it's growing it, farming it, bringing it through and doing that. And they live the most incredible and happy lives because they've connected those two things from birth and never disconnected them. Mm-hmm. And as mm. we've disconnected them, finding mm. and trying to fight our way back while still having to be part of that larger system is so, so, so hard. Mm-hmm. So your practices are one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show today, which is I know mindfulness and meditation, You know the mm-hmm. way that you nourish yourself, the community that you keep, all of those things are such big tools. I'd love you to talk a little bit about your daily practice of connecting those two things.
1: Yeah, man. My daily practices are, are kind of ever-evolving, right? Because um, I think it's... uh once you get into like this flow, I feel like there's something else. Like there's always a kind of a next level. There's always something else that comes to me. So it started with breathing, right? Something we don't think about. It's autonomous. It just happens. Most of us never even think about taking our next breath, right? But breathing, when we're born, it's the first thing we do, we breathe in, right? That first oxygen after we come out of the mother's womb, right? We exclaim our existence. We're here, maybe a cry, maybe a smile, maybe just, you know, And then the last thing we do before we pass is we breathe out, right? In between that is life. So do you want to be present in life? Do you want to feel your breath? Do you want to, you know, be intentional with your breath? Or is it just, you know, automatic and you're just kind of disconnected? And so breath was the first thing and breath work and, you know, just simple diaphragmatic breathing, you know, deep breaths in, but intentional in through your nose, out to your mouth, finding rhythm, finding the rhythm of your breath and allowing your breath to just go. And then that takes you to meditation and meditation, you know, going through different forms of it. But I landed on TM Transcendental Meditation as my daily practice. But living in a city, so many people tell me they can't meditate, it's too many distractions, there's so much noise, I can't do it. All I hear is my thoughts. Well, that's the whole thing. You're noticing your thoughts. That's the beginning of meditation. <laughs> and now it's all right, and you notice them, now bring yourself back to center. But I think it's that disconnection that keeps people so afraid, right? I can't do this. I'm doing it wrong. All the judgments, right, that we have. And I think when you say ego death, that's what people want to get rid of. All that stuff, telling me I'm wrong, telling me I can't do it. But it's a practice of do I listen to the things I don't need or do I only listen to the things that I do need, right? Because the ego, like you said, keeps you out of traffic, keeps you safe in so many different ways. So that constant practice and then things like Qigong now and Wim Hof breathing. And so it's finding different techniques and strategies that help keep me focused throughout the day to go back to my breath to go back to being present, to being here in this interaction, not worrying about anything else that's going on because all of that's there anyway. But the important part is being here, right? Otherwise you miss it all. Exactly. Who cares about the rest of the stuff, you know?
0: <laughs> You're going to miss it. <laughs> yeah. You're going to miss it, man. And we told, I think you and I've shared that exact language before. And you know, living in that space and really taking the moment to be in it, And you will recognize other people who are experiencing the moment very quickly, right? So if you go to a show and there's 35,000 people at MSG or wherever you may be in the world, you're going to catch somebody else's eye who is witnessing and experiencing what you're witnessing versus wondering about what happened earlier in the day or what's going to happen after or what song's coming up next. If you can truly just be in that moment, your breath is the best guide. Those things are so important, man. And I've got to experience many of those moments with you. When we come back, I, you know, you said Gene Keys, so we're going to unpack a little bit of this because I think it's really important and it's a really good structure for people. Folks, you are on Better with my brother, Hawaii Mike. We'll be right back. We are with my brother Hawaii Mike, and he said the Gene Keys. And in all of these conversations, I think, you know, something pops up, you feel it in your body. We're talking about being intentional and being present. And I think this is something for us to unpack just to use as a structure for the, the rest of this, which is the Gene Keys approach is that the path of gentle transformation is the way that it's shared. And the path of gentle transformation, if you've done any of reading, whether it be the Quran, whether it be Buddhist teachings, whether it be Tao, there is so much about patience. There is so much about contemplation. There is so much about inquiry. There is so much about gentleness. And those are the four circles of the Venn diagram of the Gene Key approach. It invites us to develop humility, embodying those four qualities that lie at the heart of this, and considering those values as you navigate it, right? you know, Contemplation and taking full responsibility for your inner state, using everyday challenges for growth and transformation. How might I look at this differently? And I think this one I want to dig into with you because thinking about your management of Mob Deep, thinking about dealing with the life that you dealt with as a source, like coming out to spend time at a rap conference and your whole life transforming, you obviously had to look at those challenges and accept what was in front of you as a gift versus fear, right? And so I'd love you to share like any of those key moments in contemplation that were obviously critical and key for you that that changed the trajectory of Hawaii Mike's life.
1: Man, um... As, I, as I've reflected on this, right, through Gene Keys and a few other things, um, it's, it's like school, right? All of these things, all of these different, like I felt like I've le- led like five, six different lifetimes because I've jumped around and been in different places and doing different things and different vocations that weren't necessarily my idea, right? I, I, I never had the desire to be the lifestyle editor at The Source, Right. That was, that was, that wasn't a goal that I had up on, up on my wall. It was that I knew how to dress. I knew how to shop. And they were like, yo, you should, you know, share this with, you know, our world. Right. And then it was, you know, management and dealing with talent. Right. Barely know how to manage myself. I was, <laughs> you know, when I was road manager Mob Deep, I was 145 pounds. I was 21 years old. I was the biggest dude in the crew. Wow. <laughs> right? And, and so think about how many different situations we're in. But I was there for a reason, right? To learn, to grow, to be able to reflect, to be able to see these truths in just who we are. But I think also to see these truths in the culture of hip hop. Because I think we have so much of what it means to just our human, our, our just basic forms of human expression uh, and creativity, right? Like our earliest forms of communication, I think are aligned to that. So for me, it's being able to see these through a lens of, again, we're told prejudices, we're taught to look at people a certain way, we're taught, but it's like one of my best spirit guides right now, my best friends has talked to about all this is one B, right? And and you know he and I have been speaking on on life and and mental health and all kinds of things for twenty plus years, right? It hasn't been public, but it's it's some it's those things where I feel like how do we now start to again be ourselves and pull all these things out? And the Gene Keys and in, in these other works have taught me patience, right? And trust, and you know trust in the process, trust in self, and. Trust is very hard when we're up here in our heads. When we take that road down to our hearts, that trust changes, right? Because we're living more of a truth. We're living more of an open heart. We're not trying to control everything. And I think I was doing, well, I wasn't. The universe was pushing me in that direction, right? Because I didn't, I just allowed these things to happen. I became a business owner in 1997 and haven't worked for anybody else directly on a salary since, right? And I've been allowed to do all of these different things, you know, that that make me still this relatable person in this culture, but also with a, I think, a different kind of perspective and way to approach it. Um, so, again, it's the it's the practices. It's um, is it, is believing that you're you're never not where you're supposed to be, which is going to
0: segue us perfect into another part of the diagram, which is patience which is an inherent trust in the underlying process mm-hmm. curiosity honesty cultivating compassion and really having that inherent trust which is you saying in 1997 you know i put up my first shingle and i haven't looked back that is terrifying for most people which is why they stay in a space where they're deeply uncomfortable right and and so you put your first shingle up i'm sure amongst that many years now at this point of working individually you've got multiple hustles multiple ways that you're Secure in the bag, if you will. What happens when the fear arises for you,
1: man? I see when the fear arises, I, I sit with it. You know, I contemplate. I go in. I ask why. You know, what what are the things that I'm afraid of? And a lot of the times, those fears are rooted in comparison. Right? It, it's looking outside of ourselves for the answers, and the answers aren't outside of us. The answers are always inside. Right? It's always in our heart. It's always there in our gut. It's always inside. And when our energy is stuck, it's not moving, it's not flowing, which is what they want, right? There's, when you're disconnected, it's like pulling the plug out of the wall, right? And there's, the energy's not flowing, right? The light's not on, the AC's not blowing, the heat's not going, like whatever, however you want to say it. But that's exactly what they want. They want us to feel disconnected, disconnected from self first. Disconnected and different from everybody else. Right. And alone in fear. Right. And, and, and so it's, it's really like going inside. And as scary as that is sometimes. Right. because There's a lot to unpack. You know, we have uh, um, generational traumas that we can't even touch and see or say I experienced this, but they're there. We have childhood traumas, right? That sometimes we can see, sometimes we can't, right? And and it's just constantly unpacking, right? And and having that awareness is the beginning. Having the patience after that is is a huge key because it's not an easy process, right? You know, especially when comparison and fear are right there, jumping back in, you know, the frontal lobe. So it's how do we, again, stay in that heart and just sit there? and go through and sometimes you're gonna cry and sometimes you're gonna feel pain, sometimes you're gonna be scared, sometimes you're gonna have shame. But it's working through those things, acknowledging them, giving them the energy that they need to allow them to pass through so you don't hold on to them. And 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 that is like such a big thing is we try to hold on, right? Yo, if somebody ever got over on you, don't ever forget, cause don't let that happen to you again but that means I'm carrying that damn bag with me the whole time. That shit, that gets heavy. I'm like, oh, I can't keep carrying this bag. Like, you take the bag. I don't want it anymore, right? Let it go, you know. Um, if these negative feelings come up, we tend to just push them down. And it's like, no, let them come up. Let them bubble. <laughs> let Because if not, you're going to keep eating them, and you're going to keep feeling them, and you're going to keep revisiting it, right? And so, again, it's going inside, and allowing yourself to break them down and then just release. And that's one of the biggest things is the release part. We don't talk about that enough. It's just letting go, the surrender, being vulnerable, being authentic and just being open.
0: One quick reflection on that part is in forgiveness, in forgiveness of somebody who you have been quote unquote wronged Mm, by, mm. releasing that forgiveness is not for them, it's for you. Uh-huh. That's you putting down the bag, right? And they no longer have any control over that part of you. When you say that, like, I I truly, you have to speak the words. I wish peace on that person that I wish for myself because you don't know what they have gone through, what has led them to that place or what that might look like, nor do you need to, right? So truly forgiveness is releasing for yourself. That's a huge part of it. Now we only got through two of the four. And so <laughs> you know, I really want to dig into since we've got you in flow state at this point, for yes, sure. Sir. Yes, I want to sir. talk about inquiry and I want to talk about gentleness because you already talked about inquiry, which is again, asking the profound introspective questions. So when those feelings come up, why are they coming up? Asking why and just letting it come through you, inviting the wisdom to come from within, right? Cultivating that state of presence and calm in all situations so that you may receive and release. And so can you pinpoint for your yourself in those younger years. You're 21 years old. You are in some hot situations with Mob <laughs> D, Right? You're in some hot situations. We were talking about cash, knives, all kinds of things are happening. Do you have any moments there where you're like, this is why
1: I was put here? Honestly, if I look back, it's more again, never not being where you're supposed to be, right? I questioned it, you know, how am I doing this? How did I end up this guy? I'm a fan listening to their music, right? For one, and then all of a sudden, I'm their road manager on the road, and it's just madness, right? Because I'm kind of an outsider, but they welcome me as family as well. So there was a lot of surrender with that. But I think what I did a lot of as I look back was project some of my fears into certain situations and had to learn how to know that I'm supposed to be there. So I wouldn't say I necessarily had the presence the mindfulness then though there were seeds already planted that i believe were sowing right coming up with my mom coming up like i was introduced to transcendental meditation because my uncle studied under the maharishi directly in the 70s and my aunt and my mom met him on a boat coming back from hawaii you know, cause this is all hippie days in the 70s that they all somehow got on some freight boat, right? Yes. Some freight ship, right? And, <laughs> and he tried to kick it to my mom, but ended up with my aunt, you know? Wow. But he was this guy that was very, like, angry. And, and, and how I saw him as a father, and I didn't receive fully the transmission, right? But the seed was there. Just like the seeds with plant medicine, my mom, you know, on entheogens, you know, when I was in the womb, basically and coming out and all those seeds were there. And I think, again, part of the patience and the awareness is knowing that it's not about time. It's timing. Right. It's, it's being ready and preparing that practice, that repetition when it comes to you. And this says this is you're ready. Go time. Right. And I think that's all what I've still been preparing for. And I'm still working through If we're talking about gene keys and human design, it says not until I'm now, 50, 51, that I really start stepping into my truth, my gifts.
0: Definitely. And I think we're surrounded also, you and I, our whole life and career, people have used age as a measuring stick of their success. Mm -hmm. At 21 years old, I was the prodigy, no pun intended. You know, the second that you say, I wish I was, or I wish I had, Mm -hmm. you you stifle your gifts. Mm Mm-hmm. Right At any point, you're about to be fifty i'm forty seven years old this year, man. We say all the time to each other, we're just getting started. I'm just warming up. Oh yeah, everything that I've done so far is just a precursor or prelude to what I hope to achieve, and we have very similar intentions there, which is why we vibrate, which is medicine for all, food for all poverty being eradicated, a true unification. And we don't say this stuff sitting around a ball. We say this stuff like this is the way life needs to be for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to exhaust every moment of that and keep ourselves open to what may be that medicine. And so using all the different tools that we have in our repertoire, including these microphones right now in this moment, right? So being around other creatives debunks all of that because we get to witness people successful in very different ways. And so if
1: we define success through Hawaii Mike's lens, what does that look like? Hmm. What does success look like for me now? I think uh, living life with an open heart is, is success to me, right? And and I think receiving and accepting everything that comes along with that, um, releasing judgment, not just of self, but of others, right? Um, I mean, I work on constantly releasing judgment of self and, and, What I'm learning is my energy feeds other people's energy, right? So if my energy isn't in a good place, then that's what other people are going to get. When my energy is there, then it's like everything flows, everything works, even when it doesn't. Because, again, we look at perfection, and there's no such thing as perfection. Did it get done? Did it happen? Is everybody good? And then we can look back on it and say, hey, how can we do better? But it's not about the perfection. It's about being in the moment, being as present as you can, and just going with that flow right for 11 we did uh two seatings of 22 people so 44 guests we did 11 courses so 484 plates we did three mocktails so 132 mocktails plus water right and we did this with eight people and did everything go right i don't know first dinner we were an hour late you know what i mean like right but if i was to react to that instead of responding to it through love people would have ate that. Definitely. And that would have been their meal. That would have been their experience. But if they walked away with love, feeling the intentions, having joy for me celebrating, embracing the title of chef, having joy for celebrating our oneness, having joy for being able to vibrate together with strangers and everybody's great, right? So success is that, is continuing to grow and to inspire unity in our community and to build from there to help people understand that, yes, wellness is incredible, but you don't have that without knowledge of self. Wellness, again, is a lot of times just a program, right? Here's an offering you can purchase from me. Here's some clothes you can wear. Here's this diet you can do. Here's this meditation. But that doesn't necessarily work for you to be your best self and to understand that happiness it's not it's through money, through anything external, but it's total satisfaction amongst oneself, amongst yourself.
0: When you get to witness people in that space of discovery, when it truly hits for them, we get to see this in culinary all the time, mm-hmm. right? So people will come to me in their 40s, sometimes in their 50s and say, you know, I did coding for X amount of time and I love food. So can I stage here? Would, would it be okay if I just came and like made some mm-hmm. food? Could I volunteer and feed the community mm-hmm. now? 20 years ago, if that had happened, I'd be like, are you okay? Mm. You know, like Because mm. there wasn't the openness of people just saying, I've discovered myself. Mm-hmm. And I believe the two years of us being internal and having to go inside, right? that we just experienced, all of us, we saw so many people say, I'm never going back to X. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do Y. Yep. Money does not dictate and run my life. I have enough and I never know how long this journey is going to be. So therefore, I'm doing what I love and I'm passionate about. And I, I just love to see people explore in that way because we've experienced, been surrounded by creatives our whole life, that's it. And being a believer in, I will figure it out. I will discover it. I trust my intuition. I trust myself inherently. And I'm going to be able to figure this out and do it. And then the other thing I want to pull out of what you just said was, when you're doing food and you're doing multi-layered dinners, like making sure that they're all settled and right, I have done, I don't know, three, four, five hundred 500 in my life none of them have ever gone to the original plan. Not one time ever have I executed an event where I was like, this is how I wrote it down and this is how it happened. (laughs) And what I always say to people is nobody knows but you. Mm -hmm. And as long as you continue to pour out the love and the energy and you on the fly, make some things happen, always have plans B, C, and D, this is an analogy for life. Yep. And I think about our team right now, like we're prepping for about 1,500 folks every single day here on the downtown east side. Those meals go into a biodegradable, compostable container, individually packed by with love, and then are garnished, right? It could be with some fried onions. It could be with some beautiful mixed herbs, with an olive oil, with some really nice seasoning. That goes on top of a meal that's going to go in somebody's hands. And I think every day about the team, like pinching those on. Mm like they're standing at a Michelin star line with the love and the prayer and the intention that goes into that. Like, I hope you have an amazing day. And I can just watch them repeating that love. And when that meal is received and ingested, the person who is very much struggling, who's receiving that, I know that energy transfers. So you bringing that into this conversation just lit me right up. I'm like, yes, man, that part, yeah. people forget it. Mm-hmm. When you see an angry chef on the line oh, man. and that plate comes out and it hits your table, you've witnessed it, you felt it.
1: I just told somebody, I was at uh, a conference, I was speaking And, um, you know, I told somebody, if you, if you ever go to your favorite restaurant, you you go to over and over and over and over again, right? And at one time you eat the same thing, you're like, yo, this doesn't taste right. I guarantee you go in the kitchen, ask the chef how the day's going. He's going to say something like fucked up. Ah, This is bad. Ah, it sucks. Ah, something, something, something. Because the intention wasn't there. You're going to eat some trash. You're going to eat that energy. Let's be the best participants we can be, right? In this life. Let's, let's go with the flow because the flow is moving. I have not known a moment in time in our histories where we have reversed the axis of how this planet spins. <laughs> Correct, sir. Right? We've gone only in one direction. That's why things repeat. And that's why they say things like history repeats itself. So these energies, these flows, they're constantly in motion. It's like being mad at the merry-go-round for smacking you in the head, right? Instead of figuring out how to jump on it so you can get it, you know, and hop on the horse you want to get on.
0: I think, man, those are all beautiful analogies and they truly do point to the, the place of just being present and letting go really quickly. Because that same energy is literally poison for your body. Anything that you take on, it's not about you and you don't have to live that way. It is but a moment in time. In those moments in time, you and I have shared this story. I got to be uh, in Alcatraz for the first TED Talks ever there and uh, got to be there with Arun Gandhi, who's Mahatma Gandhi's grandson. And he is, I believe, the ED at this point for the Center for Nonviolence. And when I'm in that space, I'm having conversations with people who are in there for life. And one particular gentleman who I'm talking to who reshaped my interaction lens, and this is why I share this story, is he's been in there for, I think now at this point, it'd be 23 years. But I think when I was there, it was 19. Uh, for homicide. And he was in a bar fight outside of a bar and was in the defensive position, hit a dude. The dude went down, cracked his head on the concrete and went to jail for life. He's never getting out of prison because of maybe a half second decision that is just bred into all of us. And because of the way the cards fell and because of the color of his skin and because of the location he was in, he's now in a maximum security prison for the rest of his life. And saying this is the example of, but for the grace of your own decisions, that's you really to take a moment to say, do I have to defend my quote unquote masculinity or honor or whatever gender you may identify as, those moments of violence, whether it's with your vehicle or anything else, they do well for no one. You know, we we ultimately lose as a community, as friends, as society, as dads, as moms, as others. You know, it's we we can't continue this cycle of violence. And we see it perpetuated in the art forms and the cultures that we love so much. At a pace that we can't even mourn quick enough before there's another funeral. So another one of my intentions, a deep one of bringing you here today, is because of the way that you lead your life, the way that you inspire others, the way that you hold community for others. Uh, We need this medicine so badly right now as fevers continue to rise, uh, particularly in the Western world. Uh, We got to look after each other, man. And as we close out this episode, I would love to hear what arose for you as final thoughts, man.
1: Oh, man. I think um, the intentions, man. I think moving intentionally in life is just so important. And knowing that they're your intentions, not somebody else's intentions. And that's why, again, like things like wellness always kind of throw me because I feel like we're putting this one fixed program on people. Or, hey, do this and you'll be good. And, and we have to understand it's a constant practice. And understanding that a lot of these things are just society's kind of systems, Right. And the way the systems are made to to hold us back from being connected, from being one. I mean, that's something I really want to do with hip hop is figure out how do we identify who's truly of the culture. Right. Because in 50 years, we've gone from something that was predominantly black and brown to I can't tell, especially it's sampling. Right. We've sampled each other. Not only just the music, not only the style, not only the cultures from around the world, we've sampled physically each other. So what does hip hop look like? Who represents hip hop? Now that we're going into 50 years of this and we're the most dominant, influential, culture, music, style, business, everything. How do we begin to build community around that? How do we become tribal around that again? And I think that really starts with knowledge of self and knowing who we are. That's why I love the title of the show also. It's really, it's just better because that's a great question to ask. How can I be better? How can I be better in my daily life, in my interactions? How can I be better with my people? How can I be better with my family? And and it's not better for anybody else, but for you. And if we start to do these things that are good for us, trust me, it starts to bleed out to everything else you do. One thing I want to leave with is tell people you love them. Just say, I love you. Just like everybody eats, everybody loves. And, and if we allow ourselves to love and be open and vulnerable and just surrender to it, I think we grow in different ways, you know?
0: That's the one right there, man. That's the one. Statued all over my body, you know. Yeah, man, no. It is the medicine. I'm not even going to go any further than that. I'm going to finish with another quote of yours that I think, you know, will summarize exactly what we've just discussed in a way of a tool for someone else. Belief in self. Love of self, love of others, build of community. And the quote is, I'm the guy that didn't go to culinary school, but again, we're in a DIY culture. Do it your way. Do it however it works. And yo, if you build something and they come, who can say you're doing something wrong? Like there is no wrong if it's right. Tell them. Right?
1: Be the light right? Don't shine the light. Be the light. Be it. You are the source. We're all about the unity in our community because trust, is, unity is that capital. Folks, you have
0: been hanging out with me and my brother Hawaii Mike Solomon. Lots of finger snapping, lots of clapping <laughs> on the other side of the microphone. I love you, my dude. I'm very excited to see you in person soon. Thank you for being with us
1: today. Man, I love you right back. Thank you for having me. Humbled and grateful. Appreciate you.
0: All the links in the bio underneath. Check out my man Hawaii Mike. If you are in New York City or in the region, make sure to check out under the or wherever he may be in the world. It is an experience you will not soon forget. You've been on Better. I am your host, Mark Brand. Peace be with you.